0: Bismillahir Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the 21st of February 2024, with myself, Shajil Ahmed, and also Abdul Halim here with uh, with me as well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And uh, uh, a warm welcome to you. <laughs> <As-salamu
1: alaikum laughs> wa wa be some blessings of Allah be upon all of our listeners and on you as well yes and thank you as always it's a pleasure presenting with you yeah and uh, catching up after a long time I think
0: yes after 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 some time as sometime, well it's good, yeah. it's good to be it's good to be back together yeah Um, what we're going to be talking about on today's show is uh, very current very very recent as well I mean in terms of the things which are going on in the world. One major thing which is happening, yeah. which still is still ongoing, still still ongoing for for not even weeks now months. Months, more than 120 days I believe. And that is uh, what we're talking about specifically is the Palestine Israel war yeah. which is uh, which is happening as well. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that. And specifically when it comes to the marches, hmm. the 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 protests which are happening I believe they've been happening for for you know every single week every single Saturday yeah, yeah. For, for so long now yeah. and you would think that you would think that you know people would get tired people would think yeah you know mm. enough is enough and it would just get less and less but it's actually getting more and yeah. more
1: it's because of you know the scenes that we're seeing every single day Yeah. on our social media feeds and it, it's not it's not stopping people from protesting it's actually increasing them that's it, the thing even even a um, couple of days ago going past <laughs> central London yeah. And we saw, like, a majority of the people gathered in one um, location, just yeah, marching yeah. with the banners yeah. and everything. Yeah. So it's every day, yeah. You're right. So
0: that's yeah. That's the thing. Uh, when we when we're seeing, we're witnessing <coughs> um, <coughs> this atrocity happening yeah. at a at a larger scale, and a lot of people, a lot of civilians, are getting are getting hurt. Even e- even though the displaced. government
1: is trying to put um, sort of. Uh, <laughs> Ban on it. They were saying that um, there should there should be no uh, um, face masks hmm. during the protest because if something right. violent does occur, then we will be able to identify who it is. Which right. is a bit ironic because you know they do encourage us to wear face masks for yeah safety reasons yeah. But now because of this, we're not really allowed yeah. to.
0: Not really allowed <laughs> to. I mean that's uh, you know th- that's a whole different thing as well. I mean I don't know. <laughs> H- how much uh, credibility is actually in that? Yeah. But still, that's something that we that we're going to be talking about yeah. in the in the first part of the show, or after the news segment that we normally do as well. We we'll just uh, talk we'll get into that in just a bit. But towards the latter part of the show, we're going to be talking about something which is specifically when it comes to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. It's a very prominent. A very sort of significant day, which is the twentieth of February, yeah. and the reason for that is the fulfillment of uh, one of the you know a a grand prophecy of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, Hazrat Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, yeah. who was the promised Messiah, upon whom upon whom be peace, and the awaited Mahdi as well. Now, <coughs> the prophecy that we're talking about is Specifically in regards to the promised son and the promised reformer, yeah. and we are going to be talking a little bit more about that because the reason why is that it's not just an internal topic, this is very much external as much as internal as well. Because if we when we talk about the promised reformer, yeah, or we when we say Muslim, we say that he was actually very much like his father, yeah. Who was of course Like I just said The promised Messiah Upon whom be peace Now this prophecy Doesn't just Extend to You know Just just, just end at him mm-hmm. But this prophecy Goes all the way back To the holy prophet Muhammad Peace and blessings of Allah Be upon him himself yeah. Because it was him was He was the one who said That when the promised Messiah comes When the When the Mahdi comes mm-hmm. He will marry He will have children, children yeah. But you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this as well because someone might might say that, you know, everyone marries. Everyone has children. Yeah. Or, you know, majority of the people who get married have children. And what's so significant about the promised Messiah, or when he comes he's going to marry and he's going to have children. We're gonna be talking about that. And of course different things in relation to this prominent figure, the the, the promised reformer, towards the latter part of the of the show as well zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call and that's something that we want you to call in we want you to um, you know even if you have any questions you can come online and ask uh, any questions that you may have as well because it's it is something that we want to talk about as much as possible now when we when we talk about the weather just looking outside yeah. <laughs> uh, and coming into the studio as well, <laughs> looking outside the window, it's, it's, it's raining. It doesn't look pleasant, does it? It doesn't, look, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't look too pleasant. But the BBC reports that today we'll see a wet and windy star with a band of heavy rain sweeping eastwards. And this will clear into the afternoon, giving way <laughs> to bright spells, but also scattered showers. And that will be mainly in the northwest as well. Tonight we'll start mainly dry. Later, a band of showery shall- rain will move in <coughs> from the from the northwest, and the rain will be the rain will be heavy at times and will become wintry over the hills to the northwest in the early hours as well. Thursday, tomorrow, we'll see outbreaks of ra- of heavy rain at first, followed by followed by bright spells and showers later on, a wintry on the hills in the northwest and and Westlake as well just like uh, just like tonight and it will be become a bit colder from the west as well also quite windy now Friday and on to the weekend Friday looks to be unsettled and breezy day with the sunshine and also showers at least mostly wintry over the hills less windy on Saturday it will be partly cloudy with a few showers later on however Sunday will start with a widespread mist and fog, and it will turn brighter in the afternoon and staying mostly dry, clouding over in the far south with rain arriving later on as well, turning quite windy. So it's looking a bit, you know. Yeah, a bit not typical a bit nippy, a bit yeah, a bit under, yeah. a, a bit bad weather, isn't it? Yeah, yeah typical so British weather t- 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 at this British at this weather. time.
1: Well, to- hopefully, even the in the next few months.
0: Yeah. March is usually Hopefully, yeah. I mean it next few weeks then to to I mean, we t- yeah. towards the towards the end of February as yeah. well. A week left It's yeah. leap year as well, isn't it this yeah. year. Yeah. So uh and uh one extra day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one extra day, but still March hopefully uh, things will yeah. look, get better in March as well because obviously we know that the month of uh, the holy month of Ramadan yeah. is also it's starting also in, in, month, yeah. in, in in March in as March. well,
1: inshallah. Yeah. So that should Hopefully, uh, in Ramadan, everyone can pray as well for, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, the yeah. weather. That might help. <laughs> um, w-
0: anything that's uh, that's come, that's happening in the news which has uh, caught your attention
1: or, or, or caught your eye well, other, specifically? Well, you, you know, as we brought up the first segment, the topic was first segment, <laughs> um, everything in the news is relating to that topic also. Um, as we know, the USA um, just vetoed another resolution of a ceasefire so they did not agree with it. Um, so this is the third time which uh, they have actually denied having a ceasefire in uh, uh, the Israel and um, Israeli war, Israel's war right. in Gaza. Yeah. So it's just I'm not too sure what needs to be done for USA to actually agree Yeah. finally to say that Enough is enough yeah. for a ceasefire. They just if if they're not agreeing with it, they they're complicit in this genocide yeah. that's happening.
0: Yeah. They they're very much a part of it.
1: Exactly, because all the arms, all the all the aid is coming from them. Yeah. And on top of that, the humanitarian <laughs> aid which is being supplied to um Gaza, it's 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 it's, it's they're not they don't actually have any humanitarian aid at the moment. They're starving yeah. over them. Yeah, they are. So they're still not agreeing to a ceasefire, and on top of that, they have not provided any humanitarian aid. Yeah. So I'm not too and sure what needs to, show, to be done.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show that if a big nation is not <coughs> is not condemning something, yeah. uh, you know, genocide, or you know, reports have said that this is a genocide yeah. um, happening, then, then, then it just paints a paints a sort of picture that. Well, the which side and which the world, side yeah. of the order, which situation, which side they're yeah, on. Even sure. China has uh, yeah. has has criticized the US yeah. for 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 vetoing a UN hmm. Secretary Council
1: resolution to want to immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Yeah. So the thing is, yeah. if we, I don't know what the point of the United Nations is, of getting together, bringing everyone together for a big uh, um, resolution or a vote. Yeah when at the end of the day, USA is just going to veto it. Why yeah. not just ask USA before having yeah. this meeting, yeah. what kind of decision you're going to take? Because hmm. then otherwise, we wouldn't
0: call a meeting, if yeah. you already know you're going to do that. What's the point of, of spending your whole resource, res- exactly. resources, getting everyone together? together. Exactly. For just for them to turn around and say, you know what, forget yeah. this. We but just really ask them that. beforehand, Yeah.
1: they can just not have this meeting, because that's what veto is, right? That, that's
0: the same thing, it... which happened to you know, the same fate. Which happened to the League of Nations as well. Exactly. And it's it's quite ironic that you know the the I mean after the World War they they were formed and they were mm. came together. They said you know what well, mm. we're going to we're going to stand on justice and we're going to have these uh, these. Uh, um, this system that everyone comes together, mm. we're going to vote on something, and, you know, everyone would agree.
1: They claim that the, what happened to the League of Nations shouldn't happen again because of the United yeah, Nations. because of the United Nations. But, but the, what we're seeing right now is exactly w- the same thing.
0: Exactly the same thing. And yeah. it's quite funny, or quite ironic as well, that the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim yeah. community, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad May Allah be as the fifth caliph of the, of the community as well, he said that if if the situation worsens or it stays like this how it's happening right now then the the United Nations is going to have the same fate as the League of Nations as well exactly just like they you know they had this agenda though you know know, I mean the thing is is that it's built upon good foundations it's it's said it's supposed to be good it's supposed to be good but when you're giving superpowers this option to veto anything then what's the point everyone can come
1: together yeah, and vote against something, but when one nation says no, they have to agree with they that. They have to agree with that. Where is the justice? justice in that?
0: And we talk about uh, these nations, these so-called, you know, um, <coughs> these so-called nations, which are they? They say they self-proclaim that they're so advanced and so modern. Yeah, they say they 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 so they they say they're the champions of democracy. Exactly. They say democracy this, democracy that, mm. and we're doing everything for democracy. Where's the democracy in this? Exactly. This is a dictatorship. Exactly. If you're, having, if you're giving superpowers the veto option and whatever they say, that is what goes down. Exactly. The whole, all the other nations could be on one mm. side and one superpower could be on the other side and and they say, no, we don't agree with this. They, and the other nations co- that. even
1: collectively can't do anything about it. The collectively can't even do anything. They don't even have that much power. Then I mean, what is, is, that,
0: is that a dictatorship? Does that sound like sound a dictatorship like it, yeah. to you? no exactly. it doesn't it sounds like a outright um uh uh, uh dictator i mean it doesn't sound like a democracy it it's a dictatorship. dictatorship that's what that's what i meant to say as well yeah. so this is um that that's what the that's what the situation is in this world right now and if the situation gets uh, gets worse and there's no ceasefire i mean if there is some talks of ceasefire with mm-hmm. Gha- with gaza mm. but then other countries as well um they, 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 You know, uh, Israel is also targeting them. Yeah, the other uh, countries in the in the Middle East. Exactly. So you
1: you, you see, not they're not just attacking yeah. Gaza. Now they're attacking uh, southern Lebanon. You see, a couple of days ago, there were there were two massive strikes in southern Lebanon, and which wasn't just military bases; <laughs> they were civilian bases, and there were some casualties there also. Yeah. So I don't know what the nations are doing c- about condemning that. Exactly, and we still haven't heard <clears throat> any sort of uh, but today labor did i will, uh, as I was on the way yeah, coming yeah, over here yeah, yeah. they said that labor have asked for a permanent ceasefire finally, but I'm not sure well it's a it's it's a little well, it's never too late, but yeah, of course, it's a bit late after after so many people have died, so many yeah. families have lost their lives now at least they are saying that we should be calling for a ceasefire, but we don't know what the intentions are behind it. We don't know what the intentions are behind it. I mean, it could be to... I mean, just like just like
0: the President of the United States as well, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of uh, months ago, he was also saying that there should be a ceasefire, yeah. you know. In, uh, in temporarily so, ceasefire. Temporarily, yeah. temporary ceasefire. That those were the words he used. Those, so yeah. It, wasn't a, it wasn't a permanent ceasefire. It wasn't a permanent ceasefire. And it wasn't, an, uh, you know, it wasn't too to call out for a proper, proper yeah, ceasefire. Exactly. It was just like a permanent ceasefire. But even, even though when he, a temporary s- ceasefire, yeah,
1: when he when he said that we should have a temporary ceasefire, yeah. the next day, they had passed a aid bill of around billions of pounds, military aid for Israel. Yeah. So on one hand, they are saying there should be a temp- temporary ceasefire, but then they're still arming Israel. Yeah. So where's the, and protecting, the, them, yeah, and protecting yeah. them at the same time. So they're giving them the weapons yeah. to go and commit these atrocities. But then on the other hand, just to make everything sound good, you are hearing that oh, we should have a temporary ceasefire. Yeah. The main thing should be stop arming them, stop funding. Stop funding you them. Just stop the uh, uh, military aid. Yeah. And then claim what you need to be need to claim.
0: I mean, this disarmament is something which is uh, which is very important, isn't it? And when nations <coughs> when nations they go about, they can just do what they want to, and they say they can say whatever they want to yeah. as well. They know that they're safe, isn't it? Exactly. And the only reason why. Sometimes they say, "Oh, there should be a, there should be a ceasefire or temporary ceasefire, or whatever." Most of the time, it seems as if it's just to secure their secure their seat for the mm-hmm. election, mm-hmm. because obviously the elections are coming that's up. That's the as thing, all. and you and, and that's the same thing that's happening here exactly. in the UK.
1: You know, Labour how how much they're getting criticised because of what uh, Keir Starmer yeah. had said initially, exactly, that, exactly. And now, because they know they've lost a lot, especially a lot of Muslim um, voters, followers, yeah. voters, yeah, and. Because they were not happy with with what he had said. So I'm not sure what the intention is, but they have now said that there should be a ceasefire. But I'm not sure if they will get those voters back.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. uh, And it's the same for the other party as well. It's the same for the Tories as well, the Conservatives, that many people who said that they they voted for the Tories for years now, yeah, they're not they said they you know, they 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 don't
1: believe in and, this. And um, most of them were were saying that we're going to vote for Labour now. But then after mm, what Labour has done during this whole um, situation, yeah, now they're not going to even be looking forward to vote for them. Yeah. So
0: so it's going to be a quite an interesting interesting um,
1: yeah <laughs> election out, ele-
0: election yeah. I mean, a lot of people are also saying. I'm not sure if this is you know credited as well, but a lot of people are saying that you know they. When they go to vote, hmm. they they're not they're not actually going to vote for anyone. Yeah, are exactly. just going to say that, you know, we want to vote. Yeah. we want to you know use, use our, our right vote, to yeah. to vote, but none of the people over here is is yeah. uh, meet the standards. Meet the standards. That <laughs> they want to vote for.
1: Exactly. So but that's what, just, that just that just shows the situation of the world and <laughs> where where humanity has fallen. As yep. in, as in the general public, you can see what their stance is. Yeah. And there's, like, as in there's humanity there. There's, there's uh, a, a pain in their hearts for the people that are suffering. But then those that are controlling everything, first of all, they call it a democracy, but they're not listening yeah. to the it's public. It's not a right?
0: democracy, right, at all. That's the, that's the problem. Yeah. And it's, it is, <laughs> it almost seems as if it is this. They just want to secure their seat. Yeah. That's why they're changing their policies. Exactly. Or... They they might not even change their policies. They might, they're probably just saying yeah. that they're going to do this because we know politicians these days. That's how it is. They right? they they promise something and then, you know, they they don't always have to deliver. Yeah, that's the, that's that's the way the politics uh, are run these days. And you know
1: well. the s- similar thing uh, other in other news regarding the Pakistan government. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, now they're forming a coalition, right? Because the. The winner of the independent party, who weren't able to form a um, a party they they had won but they yeah. because, because they Imran had the majority Hans. of the seats yeah the Imran Hans. yeah they had majority of the seats, but because they did not have an active party at that time, right so they cannot form a government. Hmm. so now the other parties are are, are joining coalition. Making coalitions yeah. so they could run the government.
0: I mean, it's just loopholes, isn't it? It's just they're trying to find loopholes. Yeah. and There's a lot that can be said. There's a, there's <laughs> a, I mean, there's a lot that can be said about, exactly. about that as well, especially Pakistan and their politics. I mean, politics around the world, isn't it? Politics is politics.
1: Yeah, politics is politics. That's yeah. true. But of course, we'll, we'll talk more about this um, Palestine and the Israel situation in, the, in our first segment. Yeah. They... They're, in 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 other news, there's a lot of other news that we can see. There was there uh, there was a news that I was uh, reading the other day regarding banning um, phones right from schools right in England. Okay. So the government initially said that the move of uh, of uh, banning mobile phones during the school day was a what was the plan? Was the plan yeah. yeah because they wanted to minimize disruption and improve behavior yeah in classrooms yeah but now. Um, some have turned around and said that, uh, well, one school leader has said the most compulsive use of phones happened out out of school and called the change a non-policy for a non-problem. So some of them are saying, Mm. look, most of the um, problems that are being um, caused by these mobile phones, by these smartphones, are are used outside of school hours. So I don't know what the need is that but of course I know um, what uh, the government is saying because fate, let's face it um, the kids are distracted by their phones yeah. during they the are. school hours, during the lessons of that they they're are. in of course, they are. Yeah, of course they are and the thing is <laughs> if we if we look back in our time, yeah. we didn't have the smartphones at we that time. We didn't have smartphones. No, no, no. But still if you had a, I, I remember it was a BlackBerry at that time.
0: BlackBerrys like he has all yeah. of these different yeah. So
1: even then without all these apps that we have right now on our phone, with yeah. all the smartphone technology that has come out now, yeah. we were still distracted to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. And now with all, <laughs> all with the all, functions yeah, in the I phones mean, now, yeah. it must be Yeah. Yeah, there must be really I mean I distracted.
0: think I think this is a uh, I mean, obviously there are a lot of people who are for and against this. Obviously, exactly. there yeah, will yeah. be. Yeah. Um, I think it would it would be a good personally. I, I think it would be a good thing to ban. I, I think personally, it. it would be a good thing as well. And th- because of this reason, yeah. because of the reason that phones are addictive, exactly, and they they are disruptive. Exactly, and they can ruin. You know. You, they can ruin your attention. You I mean yeah. teachers try to yeah. teach you something. You can't concentrate. You can't concentrate if the phone is in your hand.
1: Exactly, it's ringing or it just you just received a text. Yeah. They said that every time you receive a text, it releases a dopamine in yeah. your in your brain. Yeah. So it's, it's it's similar. It's addictive, like you just yeah. said.
0: And that's just texting, isn't it? And yeah. obviously, if you get if you're on social media yeah. and you're, you know, you post some things and you, 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 you want to get those yeah, likes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so that's you. You keep scrolling. It you is. keep
1: you, you. keep refreshing to see what's new. What's new? And to then see what's new. What's new? Yeah. That's just um. Yeah, you can't concentrate. On you you would else. not
0: be able to concentrate if a phone is in your hand. Exactly. Or if it's in your pocket and you know that and hmm. it's vibrating after notification yeah. after after notification. Exactly. Um. That. But even
1: even now, um. In in our age, we're not. Too old. Sometimes you don't realize, and you've opened an app, and then you think, Oh,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> where was I? I didn't yeah. even know I opened this up, but you, next thing you know, you're scrolling, yeah, next right, thing you know, yeah. And with the kids in school, their it, attention span has already decreased, yeah, so that's true. And with these social media platforms, um, TikTok and Instagram, the short reels, yeah, attention span has just been destroyed, shrunken it's down. Literally, isn't it? literally. If something doesn't catch your attention in the in the in the first five seconds, mm. <laughs> then then, then <laughs> that's then it's like a you're, you're that, they're going they're going yeah, to scroll. You lost. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, I think concentrating on books and reading your syllabus or whatever mm. you need to work on, mm. it does have an effect.
0: It's screen time as well, yeah, isn't it? Screen time. When you're constantly on your phone and you're constantly behind uh, a screen, right? Yeah, your your when are you gonna catch a break? Exactly. And these days, where technology is advancing so much that, <laughs> you know, you have your laptop, you have your 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 iPads, or yeah. your tablets, all of these things, your smartphones, and
1: they all do the same functions. They, they all, all do like, the same functions. They can do everything. Even right now, in front of us, we have like. Four screens. Yeah,
0: about one, two, three, <laughs> four. Even if you it, count it, your, your watch. As well. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs>
2: that's, true. Even that's that's true. That's a smart
0: watch. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the thing. So, I mean, something we have to admit is that we can't go screen we free. Can't, we can't. But we can decrease that as much as possible. Yeah. So, getting back into hard copies, such as, you know, books, reading mm. books and paper. Mm. Even people are so used to. People are so used to typing on the on the computer mm. that h- writing writing honestly, is is actually a a, a difficult task. <laughs> exactly. So how do you exactly. hold a pen anymore?
1: <laughs> the thing is, if you ask ourselves, like ev- <laughs> everything, every single thing is done on a computer. If yeah. you want to write a letter, we're yeah. writing it on a, on a computer. If you want to send a document, if you want to sign anything, there's digital, there's digital, uh, uh, ways, there's to digital ways to do that. Adobe, yeah. you have a lot of different softwares. And people are forgetting—not forgetting to write, but the habit of writing. The habit of writing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just—it's just going away. Yeah,
0: I mean, who 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 hand writes a letter exactly. these days? Exactly,
1: who hand writes a letter? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. If you ask ourselves,
0: and if somebody does handwrite write a letter, that's quite that's that is deemed as, as something yeah. special, yeah, yeah like exactly. a special occasion yeah. maybe. Because
1: you can't just press backspace and yeah. <laughs> cross out something that you've written wrong. <laughs> Literally, you have to cross out the whole, get another paper, yeah. start, write, start, start, again, start fresh, start again. <laughs>
0: So that's what you know. That's what's um, the, the you know that's what's uh, happening. I mean, that's the current situation these days. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's when we look at when we look at the the situation or how the world is actually running. Yeah. We see as if it's going towards. You know, atheism, and they're forgetting God. God, right. That's why it's so important for us to keep reminding ourselves that, with all of these uh, advancements and all of these things which are happening we shouldn't forget we shouldn't forget the the reason for our, for our creation as well yeah we're we're very lucky as muslims though because yeah. we're told by allah the almighty that yeah. the reason for us being here in this world is so that we can worship, worship. god almighty yeah. so that we can realize his existence yeah. we can co- connect with him yeah and that is something that we're reminded constantly reminded five so times it, a day i
1: think i think it's a it's a blessing for us that yeah. those that are Muslim. It is. It it's is so straightforward. God has laid it out for us. It's laid it pe- out for pe- us. Yeah, people that are out there that don't have that faith or they don't believe in God. That you see a lot of them are kind of lost in life. Yeah, they don't know where they're going or what their purpose is. Hmm. But we have been told straightforward by God Almighty: this is your purpose. So strive towards goodness. Strive towards this. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you would gain the reward
0: and it's not just uh, it's not just uh, a, a self-proclaimed exactly. thing as well, or something which is an individual basis yeah. you have to take others you with you you have to take others with you as yeah. well I mean God Almighty says that help one another exactly um in in this in this regard why one another mm-hmm. why with one another yeah. in good deeds there's so, so many different verses
1: even in this situation we were just talking about the palestine situation you see yeah. that america not ve- uh, is vetoing yeah, yeah, yeah. all these options of a ceasefire of humanitarian aid and what does, what does what does god tell us what does the holy prophet say that if you do not have mercy on others yeah. you will not you will not be, be shown, mercy, yeah, as shown mercy exactly i mean straight as that S- straight as that and
0: obviously we can Go much deeper into this topic, yeah. and, and I think we will, in uh, in just a bit as well. But uh, that's the news roundup for for <laughs> this morning. We're going to be taking a very short break. Right after when we come back, we are going to be talking about or going into our first segment, which is about the about the protests which are happening in regards to this war as well. So we'll take a short break, <laughs> and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this. Allah. Allah.
3: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Selections from the writings of the Promised
4: Messiah, Upon Whom Be Peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Movement in Islam, Take note how the Holy Prophet of Islam remained resolute and steadfast in his claim to prophethood from beginning to end in the face of thousands of dangers and a multitude of enemies and threatening opponents. For years on end he endures such hardship and suffering as increased from day to day. Enough to make one despair of success. It is inconceivable for a man with worldly motives to have shown such prolonged endurance and steadfastness. Not only that, by putting forth his claim to prophethood, he even lost the support he had previously enjoyed. The price he had to pay for his one claim was to confront a 100,000 contentions and invite a multitude of calamities to befall upon his head. He was exiled from his homeland, pursued with intent to murder His home and belongings were destroyed. Several attempts on his life were made by poisoning. Those who were his well-wishers began to harbour ill for him. Friends turned into foes. For an age which seemed eternity, he braved such hardships, which are beyond a pretender and imposter to suffer through.
3: Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhis salaam. Our God is our paradise. Our highest delight is in our God, for we have seen him and have found every beauty in him. This wealth is worth procuring, though one might have to lay down one's life to procure it. This ruby is worth purchasing, though one may have to lose oneself to acquire it. O ye who are bereft, run to this fountain, and it will satisfy you. It is the fountain of life that will save you. What shall I do? How shall I impress the hearts with this good news? And by beating what drum shall I make the announcement that this is our God, so that people might hear? What remedies shall I apply to the ears of the people so that they should listen? A new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam, with the voice of Islam. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio.
5: You're listening
3: to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB by the internet 24 hours a day.
0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam radio. As mentioned before, the before the break, that we're going to be talking about the 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 the, the situation which is happening in the Middle East right now. Yeah. The situation which is in between Palestine and Israel, the war that's happening there as well. Mm-hmm. Because of the consequences of that, there has been marches, protests, yeah. peaceful protests as well, um, around the world.
1: Ma- mainly peaceful, I would say. Yeah,
0: around the world. And it's a good thing that they are peaceful. Yeah, And uh, th- we're going to be talking about, specifically here, the the protests which are happening here in London as well, mm-hmm. because in central London, mm-hmm. a multitude of pro-Palestine demonstrations marched through Oxford Circus and Whitehall as well, urging a ceasefire, an immediate ceasefire Mm -hmm. in Gaza, um, with these protests becoming a regular occurrence in the capital since October, so since the beginning, Mm -hmm. every single weekend, every single Saturday. As the public realised from the
1: beginning that this was wrong.
0: Yeah. How ironic does it have to be that the people a lot of the people can see that you know what's what's happening yes. the situation which is happening exactly and they know that this is wrong but still but still there's no there's no talks of hmm. i mean there, there might be talks of ceasefires but
1: there's no it, decision it, it,
0: there's no there's no decision which is uh in place as well yeah. to to assist those people yeah um let's speak to let's speak to a guest our first guest for this part of the show chris rose who is the director of Amos Trust, and which is a which is a creative human rights organisation, which has three main areas of work: promoting Palestine rights, creating opportunities for girls and young women on the streets, and calling for climate justice, as well. Peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show, Chris.
2: Hi. Very nice to be with you this morning.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. How how does Amos Trust contribute to promoting human rights in the context of the of the of the Palestine cause as well.
2: Um, so I've been working on Palestinian rights for about thirty thirty five years, and it's a long long campaign. Uh, there's moments where it becomes in the news, normally tragically when Gaza is being bombed or when there's other terrible crimes being committed. Um, but for a long time, it's just a constant drip feed of getting more and more people involved, and. Gaining rights has a number of different strands to it. Part of it is the activism where you're writing to MPs, you're campaigning, you're doing those face-to-face activities or letter-writing, whatever, which is very much about demanding as it is today with the vote of ceasefire now. Mm -hmm. And that's an important part of activism. Another important part is awareness-raising. And a lot of what we do is about awareness-raising which is getting people to understand more about the issues. So we take lots and lots of people to Palestine to visit and a whole variety of trips, Mm -hmm. as we believe that's the best way of getting people to understand, because once you see, you can't not see. And so we do food tours within that, we do awareness raising, we do marathons, we do cycling trips, walking trips, anything which gets people there to see the issues and to meet people on the ground and to hear. So awareness raising is a really important part. A third part is solidarity and the marches and the campaigns and the walks about solidarity because Palestinians are the ones who are working, you their rights, working to that, and they need to know that international support. It's absolutely vital that people know that they have international support for their campaigns and people working with it. So a big chunk of what we do is about um, solidarity as well. Mm-hmm. And then the last two areas which we kind of really think is important is helping facts mm-hmm. on the ground because... For us, rights are only realised on the ground. It's fine to have your rights, but if, it, if they don't mean anything to you on a day-to-day basis, then okay, it's just an exercise. Right. And so what that means for us is we help a lot with home rebuilds and with practical projects like that. We do things on breast cancer screening. we wear wearing gas beforehand. We do a whole load of projects with eight local partners and with other organisations to deliver things which are about people's rights so they experience them on a day-to-day basis and feel more equipped to it. Mm. calling for their rights yeah and the last bit in that i should just say and i've been talking for a while here is that we do hope so we believe it's essential to do creative activities which instill hope in people so they can keep going and that's kind of the thing which is distinctive to us is that absolute belief that we have to work with other people to instill hope
1: Yeah. Um, and regards to your, you know, your trips that you take, uh, yeah. guests to Palestine, what yeah. what what outcome does it have? As in, what do they feel or what do they see that makes them change their mind?
2: Yeah, I mean, most people say it's a life-changing experience for them because, um, and to be honest, normally when we take them because we stay on the West Bank normally with those trips, when we take, well, as soon as people drive up to Bethlehem and they see the separation wall surrounding Bethlehem, you you don't have to tell anybody there's something wrong. Mm. Then when they're sitting inside Bethlehem or walking around outside Bethlehem meeting local people, just hearing the stories, seeing the dignity of people, being welcomed into people's homes, all that stuff, you don't really need to say that much more about this is wrong because it's so blatantly obvious, the injustice there and what is happening. Mm. And when you see the military presence there as well. And so for us, what we see is a profound change for people. Either they come back very fired up about the issues or re motivate to get more involved, or else for a number of people who just didn't know, they know now. Um, and that that injustice fuels people to get involved and to carry on being involved in the campaign.
0: Hmm. It's quite quite interesting, quite interesting, uh, Chris. There is, oh, I mean, just, just to lead on from that or continue from there as well, could you share some sort of success stories or yeah. you know, impactful moments, incidents from previous events as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a whole variety of things which we could share. Um, and success, success is something you've got to be careful with because um, ultimately our success will be when there is full Palestinian rights. That's when it will be a success. But it's a long process to get there and it can be a dispiriting process so for us it's about the things which enable people to kind of keep going and to be motivated so in 2017 we walked from london to jerusalem um 2700 kilometers we had um we walked a whole distance there we walked we actually walked to istanbul flew to uh, amman in jordan and walked the rest of the way in um, we did that to apologize for the Barful declaration and to show good actually to really our uh, contrition about that and for Britain's history in it. And that every community we went to in Palestine, and we kept it quiet until we got to Palestine because we wanted to be let in because we were going there to apologise to the Palestinian people. Mm. Every single community we walked through there would meet with us and people were just waiting to hear the apology because um, because there's been no apology for Britain's past and what we did in Palestine at all. So that was one event. Um, our food tours, we take 40 people at a time to do food tours. We have loads. Uh, we have a whole load of different people going every year from different backgrounds. Many of whom have never done that at all. We also do food events. we just sold out events in Cambridge for a few weeks' time. Mm. We work with a number of different restaurants to enable people to understand the culture and support the culture. Because for us, um, culture is what brings the people together. The culture is part of people's rights. And we celebrate that culture. So we do that. We also work with the music industry thing, so I think called PMX, which has been a music industry initiative the West Bank to get music executives there and to enable Palestinians, professional musicians to get contracts and to be exposed. So a whole load of things. And I could talk about a number of other projects which we're involved in. Um, one of which is our home rebuilding. We've rebuilt, um, I think it's about nine Palestinian, nine homes for Palestinians. And tragically, we heard on Monday morning, one of those homes which we built in 2017 was destroyed by the Israeli army, by the Israeli forces. On Monday, Monday morning, a family with three small children mm-hmm. in a village just beside Bethlehem. But those are real tangible things about building hope about people's rights and these are people whose homes have been destroyed by the Israelis. Mm -hmm. We rebuild those and we'll carry on doing that despite all the massive challenges they face in what's called Area C of the West Bank.
1: Yeah. Do do you ever come in contact with any Israeli um, settlers or those that have taken over those homes
2: unfairly? Um, yes, I mean, we don't tend we in the past, we tended to meet with some of the settlers, with some of our groups. We don't do that because to be honest, uh, when people started to listen to them, it was almost like propaganda for us, because the people were taken to meet the only ones who were happy to talk to them, we just felt everybody found their position so unreasonable that actually uh, it didn't hold any validity as an mm-hmm. exercise. Um, yes, yeah, so we don't tend to take groups there because we don't want to be confrontational in that respect. The aim for us is it's very easy to go to somewhere like Palestine and to think I'm going to save Palestine and to have all these emotions to ourselves. And very often people would go along in the past and they'd join the protests and they think they'd done their bit for Palestine. They'd come back and talk about the protests and there was tear gas and everything else. And that was kind of like a heroic type of role. That mm-hmm. doesn't really help. What we want is people who come back who just talk about the dignity of Palestinians, their struggle, focus on that and we're involved for the long term so we don't tend to take people to confrontational moments or for people to feel like they've done their bit for palestine we want people to be involved in the long-term campaign and to be really trying to force our government to change its position
1: Mm. and in what ways can you know our listeners and people support the palestinian cause beyond attending just marches and demonstrations
2: yeah, I mean, obviously today there's the rally, so please write to your MPs. So, some of the there, are vote for ceasefire. Please write to your MPs. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. We joined 62 organisations. There's an open letter which has been sent out by numerous organisations involved in working Gaza calling for a ceasefire now. Um, I know it's dispersing writing to MPs. Um, I have a very good MP who actually is very supportive. But I know many people feel really dispirited about doing it. But it's really vital to keep that pressure on, particularly now, to keep mm. pressurizing MPs. There's the marches, there's giving as well. And we know many listeners give very, very strongly to people. Um, and we really do greatly appreciate that. All the organizations working there, um, ourselves included, have had an incredible response to our emergency appeals. And that's enabled us to get a load of aid into Gaza and also to the West Bank, uh, where it's being desperately needed as well. Um, the other thing in that is about being creative in it, finding the creative ways of whether that's the social media communications. We've, we're selling, we've been selling loads of Palestinian t shirts, uh, loads of t shirts with watermelons on them, I should say, mm-hmm. from a Palestinian artist. And those very, it can be quite gentle way of showing support. Or for ourselves, we've got an event where we'll have thousands of people on the weekend of the 1st of March. Um, which is called Run the Wall. Uh, Every year we take people to run the Bethlehem Marathon. Mm -hmm. And when we couldn't do that in COVID, we set up another thing, which is called Run the Wall, which we do from Friday the 1st through to Sunday the 3rd, where people, wherever they are, can run 5K or walk 5K or join the bike ride in solidarity, post their pictures on Instagram and on WhatsApp channels, and there's 30-odd countries already involved in it. And we just said people... It's about that solidarity, letting people in Palestine know there's thousands of people around the world doing something for them. It's also great for us because our WhatsApp channels go insane for the whole weekend. You have thousands of people mm. posting pictures, seeing what they're doing, So really encourage us go run the war. It's on our website. You can see details. Sign up. Sign up with some other people. It's really simple. Wherever you are, whatever distance you can do, just get involved and do it.
1: Mm.
0: Very, very interesting. Good stuff as well. Chris Rose thank you so much for joining us this morning Absolute and speaking pleasure. to us about this thank you thank you bye bye peace be upon you now
1: yeah i think it's very very good work that they're doing and they're taking them to see firsthand what is actually going on yeah in that yeah. In, yeah. in that country right and that's what um, affects a lot of people. Because yeah. obviously, we can be here, we can read the news, we can look at stories. But once you're there, actually seeing it with what's your it, own yeah, eyes. Once you're there on the grassroots level. Exactly. And you're seeing the different things yeah. which are happening. Because not we don't just know, on yeah, the screen. Exactly. We don't know what the media is showing us, if it is accurate or not. But once you're there, everything becomes clear.
0: I mean, like Chris said as well, like, once you see something, you can't sort of unsee it? it. yeah. You can't deny it. I mean, it's like the Holy Quran says, luki, "Ain ain isn't it? Yeah, and that turns into "Hakuliyakin" yeah. as well. When you when you seeing do that, as yeah. seeing is believing. Seeing is believing as well, and you experience that firsthand. So, yeah. it's uh, it, it is something. It is something, uh, an an eye opener <coughs> for 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 many. Yeah, and I think where, where Chris was talking about solidarity, that's also very important.
1: Mm, definitely.
0: If a, if a, if if people are being oppressed, then And if they feel as if there's no support with them, that can really put them down. Mm -hmm. But if they know that support is with them and there is charities out there, agencies out there, there are different companies out there to to help them, then that can actually reassure them as well. But we've seen from different pictures and different images and different videos as well that the people of Palestine... Their faith is quite strong.
1: They're not quite strong. It's, it's, I would it's, say it's, it's very strong, it's, isn't it? It's the strongest that anyone would see. That's why you have people that don't believe in God. They <coughs> they are seeing the scenes um, coming out of Gaza where they've lost their loved ones. Yeah. They're literally carrying their loved ones who have yeah. passed away. Yeah. And all that's coming out of their mouths is... Alhamdulillah or praise be to God. Yeah. Or God is enough for us. God is, God sufficient, is, for, yeah. is sufficient. for us. Exactly. Like, and they are asking them how where does this faith actually come where from? Does this, exactly? And then that's making them pick up the Holy Quran and reading into it that what <laughs> really gives them this faith. Yeah. And some have even converted to Islam because of seeing the faith that these um, individuals in Gaza have. Exactly. Exactly. These are
0: <coughs> th- these are live things which are happening as well and a lot of people are coming to see the yeah. true picture, but it just of, of it just Islam goes well. to
1: yeah it just goes to show how much of a powerful faith God can actually give you, it can right yeah. and how much power it can actually and belief God can actually give you. Yeah,
0: the thing is is that it sort of puts puts a perspective into us as well that we're living here, exactly. in the in the in the so-called modern world, yeah. in the free world, hmm. and uh, where there's a lot of technologies, exactly and first world right. And when we talk about these first world problems that we have, we think that they oh it ruins our day yeah. because of this inconvenience or that happened or that happened exactly those people over there living in the developing countries and living in a war stricken country, country yeah. they're being fled from their from their own country oh, yeah. and they are facing real problems exactly we, we but <laughs> but their faith is strong as all and yeah, exactly the comfort that we have over here in the, exactly. in, the, in the, you know in, in the first world countries mm. we have that comfort but our our faith is is next to nothing next and to nothing. we see a lot of people
1: who are turning atheists they're exactly. forgetting about god exactly. as well that's the thing isn't it once you go through hardship that's what really tests you that's what really and really where tests your you. faith is actually at. yeah and exactly. god and god has said in the holy ground that we would definitely test you don't just say that. Um, don't just think that you said we believe, we believe and we won't trust yeah, you. Exactly, that's the whole thing. That's, that's God, the whole thing, isn't it? God, God is going to test you at the end of the day. Yeah, because
0: that is that is his uh, his <laughs> promise. I mean, he he's done that before to exactly. previous nations, exactly. and he will do that again as well. What's the point of just saying that you believe, you believe in God, and then that's it? And that's it. Where's the test? Where's the where's yeah. the test? Yeah. The thing is, is what do you like, gain out of that? Exactly. Now so some some mystics and some uh, elders as well they mm. say that this whole world mm. right this life on on earth mm. this is a whole big test it is, it is definitely darun Yeah, yeah exactly. they say this is a, literally an abode of a test exactly but the thing is is that how we overcome those problems mm. and when we if we put God into the picture those problems become much easier
1: mm. I would say definitely it does because God gives you that sort of hope that nothing else yeah, can. And exactly. if you're going through something really hard and you think um, you can't overcome it, you know that there is a power that can sort anything out, that yeah. can fix anything. Exactly. But those that are atheists, well, who do they turn to? Who do they turn to? Because no, no matter what, you're going to have struggle. You're going to go through exactly. some things. So 100%. isn't it better that you believe in a power who has the capability to fix all your problems mm. than rather than just sit there and just go through the struggle? Yeah. and not believe in anything. Because regardless of what you believe, you're going to go through it. Life is a test. You're go- I'm going to have problems if I believe in God. You're going to have problems if, if, if you don't believe in God. Yeah. But why not believe in a higher power who actually, you know, that helps. Exactly.
0: But the thing is, is that on the other side, yeah. there are some people who say that, oh, if there is a God and you believe that there is a God, then mm-hmm. why does he allow that suffering to happen in yeah. the first place. Oh, we thought that God Almighty is all merciful. Yeah. But why then Why, why do we that, blame why God, that, God for that? Why do, th- yeah, that's, that's the thing. The thing, why, the why, thing is, if, we, if atheists ask this question, or anyone asks yeah. this question, that if God exists, then yeah. what, why is there so much injustice happening why in the world? Why is there hunger in the world, Why for is hunger or poverty or that kind of stuff? If we just take God out of the picture right yeah, now exactly. and say there's no God right mm. now, yeah. for example, hypothetically, yeah, the suffering is still there. Exactly.
1: It, it doesn't, it, it remove, doesn't the remove the suffering. It doesn't remove the suffering. So if the you if you're removing God out of the picture, the suffering, the suffering is. Still there. is, is
0: yeah. You're not gonna be. It's not gonna be as if you take God out of the picture yeah. and then everything gets gets better. Yeah. That yeah. can
1: never happen. You know, there's a really good saying that I, I like. That um, if God is asked, uh, if someone asks God a question, that like, God, why did you allow hunger or suffering? Yeah. God can ask you that question back. Yeah. Because there's enough food to go around in the world. It's just the exactly. injustices of the people that have caused these kind of problems in this world. Yeah. And obviously, God has given given us these um, 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 faculties or capabilities yeah. or provided us with all these resources. Resources, yeah. But to it's, help our, it's, our, it's, it's our test at the end of the day how we're going to use these resources. Are we going to be...
0: T- I mean, all of this, you're talking about this as well, that actually reminds me of a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And this is where God Almighty says to, on on day of judgment he will say to his servant that, you know, I was uh, exactly. I was I was hungry, yeah. you didn't even feed me. Yeah, you didn't feed me I was thirsty, you didn't mm. even quench my thirst. Yeah, exactly. I was naked, I didn't even have any clothes, you didn't even mm. give me any any clothes yeah. or shelter. And the servant will say, I mean the person will say, you know, Oh God, went, you're the Lord of all the worlds. How how how's that supposed <laughs> to feed you? Yeah, you know, quench your thirst and all of these things. He and then he will say that you know, so and so, my servant, people, yeah. my servant, he was hungry. You mm. didn't even feed him. Didn't feed him exactly. He was thirsty. You didn't even quench his thirst. He yeah. he didn't even have shelter. He didn't yeah. even have clothes. You
1: didn't give him mm. clothes. So the question comes back right Co- comes, to us. Comes back to us. Yeah, exactly. So there's no blame on God in this sense.
0: There's no there's no blame in God. Yeah. And the thing is, is that. Us as as believers, right? We we don't just believe in this world. We believe in the hereafter. hereafter yeah, and we we believe that that is the actual to life. What? Exactly, this is temporary. This is just life. a temporary <laughs> life. Yeah, exactly, this and is gonna finish. Exactly. But then after that, the next life that's that's, that's the eternal life. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> there's
1: not there's not lot lot more to say.
0: I mean, when when you put it into perspective, right? From a from a believer's exactly. point of view, everything becomes sense. clear. Exactly. Everything makes sense, exactly. and everything has a a aim. Yeah, we an have, aim, we a an aim. Exactly. we've a goal. Exactly, have got a goal to achieve.
1: And most of these celebrities you see, and they, those people that committing suicide, they don't have a goal. They don't have a <coughs> purpose in life where they strive to. They don't know even what's going to happen to them when they die. Yeah, so exactly. It's meaningless for them. It's meaningless for them as well. This is why
0: this is why at times of difficulty that that is a you know, it's a good time hmm. to turn to God Almighty. Exactly. And strengthen your faith yeah. as well. I mean we're gonna be talking about this, uh the news is zooming right now, so we'll take a break for the news. When we come back, we're going to continue this topic and then hopefully speak to another guest with this as well. Allah. Allah.
3: You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
0: Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuhu, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show here on The Voice of Islam Radio, as mentioned before the news, that we're going to be continuing this topic as well for just a bit. And uh, we've got our next guest who's on the line with us, Rana Baker, who is a lecturer in the history of the Middle East at King's College, London. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Rana. Good
6: morning and thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. In terms of raising awareness, do you, what do you think? Um, do you think this, this is, uh, the the protests which are happening, the peaceful protests, the the marches which are happening in terms of, uh, you know, the, the the free Palestine ones. Is that raising awareness uh, or do you think that more can be done?
6: Um, I think they are definitely raising awareness. Um, I've heard many people say that this is uh, the Vietnam moment for the generation that is um, growing up and uh, experiencing um the events happening in Gaza and their, uh, it, 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 the, the consequences of these events um, globally. So, uh, yes, they are definitely raising awareness. And, and, you know, we can see this in the numbers, you can see this in the turnout. Uh, but, uh, you know, awareness is not everything. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that's uh, what we need to be thinking about. Because if this is about awareness, fantastic. It's the, the demonstrations are definitely achieving that. Yeah. But if this is about, Um, stopping the uh, Israeli violence that uh, Israel is perpetrating against the Palestinians in Gaza and uh, in the West Bank and elsewhere in including Palestine then I think uh, we can think differently about uh, whether the protests are uh, being successful and so I do think that uh, the focus needs to be not solely awareness but actually changing British policy and in that regard, I do not think that the protests have uh, achieved that target. They have not achieved that goal. Mm. And, um, you know, I could I could talk more about why I think this is the case. But, um, but yeah, uh, I think we need to distinguish between awareness um, and, you know, making the demonstrations about basically ourselves, you know, and uh, changing, uh, making this more focused on Palestine and the Palestinians and stopping Israeli violence as soon as possible. Uh, and then that's
0: uh, that's different. I mean, you, before you said that this is the 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 Vietnam um, uh, demonstration which is happening. I'm tr- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though. But uh, in terms of these protests, these demonstrations, and these marches which are happening historically, have they mm-hmm. made any any a, a, any any changes in the in in the past? Which you think that maybe they can go forward. And do something as well like you said that it's not just about raising awareness it's okay. it's, it's much more it's much more than that as well
6: yes well I think that uh, demonstrations marshes uh, protests they do uh, they have the power of changing uh, foreign policy and domestic policy as well but in order to do that um, they need to disrupt something about the status quo right if if, if they're not um, disruptive of that, uh, disruptive enough of that status quo, then I don't think that they can achieve that goal. But historically, yes, there have been examples of um, forms of protest and, and you know, dem- demonstrations are just one form of protest. There are other forms. Uh, and if we think of uh, protest in that broader sense, rather than simply marches or demonstrations, then, yes, the examples of success are um, many. You know, um, he, like if, if we talk about Palestine, at least, um, in 1936, um, there was um, a big protest known as the Great Revolt. It lasted for three years, and it cons- consisted of marshes, it consisted of acts of civil obedience, and it was aimed at changing the policy of the British mandate in Palestine toward uh, the Zionist colonization that was ongoing at the moment. And, you know, uh, there was uh, success uh, in the sense that the, the British did limit uh, um, the uh, the numbers of uh, Zionist colonizers that were um, immigrating to Palestine, mm. and so that's one that's one example. The second example that one um, can think of more recently is the Arab Spring uh, in Egypt that did not work, but in Tunisia uh, it did, and so um, and I think the reason that these two d- very different examples um, historically have worked is because they managed to disrupt something about the, the the government the form of government that uh people protested against right they managed to um actually uh make it impossible for the guy go- and that that should be the goal of every demonstration it should not simply be awareness it should be making it impossible in one way or another for a government to continue to do what it is doing and that's i think that's the form of thinking that we need at the moment because it's been more than four months and uh, that is really um, genocide in Gaza has been uh, going on and, you know, we have not stopped it. And so I think we need to think about what it is that we can do in order to make the, the uh, British policy change, right? What is it that we can do to make it impossible for the current government to continue to do what it's doing, despite very large numbers telling it not to do and despite uh, Britain constantly claiming to be a democracy?
1: Yeah. Um, And you know, as you're a history um, lecturer (coughs) of the Middle East, um, what lessons from history do you believe um, can uh, inform the strategies and tactics of activists that are involved in the movements like the Palestine Palestine March?
6: Mm -hmm. Well, I think to begin with, there has to be a very clear goal as to what um, demonstrations or any other form of protest is seeking to achieve um and then basing the strategy on that specific and very clear uh target um uh the the second thing is what i have already mentioned which is thinking of ways uh different forms of protest rather than simply demonstrations um that make it impossible what is it we need to ask ourselves what is it that can make it impossible for our government to continue to behave in the way in which it has been behaving for the past uh, hundred years, mm-hmm. and um, and so so that that should be the question. Um, and so these the, these two things a very clear target, a very clear goal, a well stated goal, and the thing that makes the government think that continuing to do what it's doing will make it do something, whether it is you know like. Uh, um, roads that are blocked because of demonstrations and so you know uh there's some form of disruption something else some other form of pressure um that will force the government to change its policies but i i think it's too wishful to think that you know um that uh, uh that the government will change things of, uh, out of its own accord that's uh, not usually how things have happened um there has to be something that forces the government to understand that the people reject
1: its actions and that it needs to change them. Um, and and what would you say, you know, to those um, um, Israelis who say that we, this land that they've occupied now, belong to us, and we are the inheritance of this land, that's why we need to take over?
6: hmm well, I would say that historically uh, uh, the Jews were part of the Palestinian social fabric, right? Mm-hmm. There were uh, Arab Jews, uh, well-known as the Mizrahi Jews, who were like Middle Eastern Jews, basically, uh, from Yemen, from Iraq, from Palestine. So Jews have always been part of the uh, Palestinian social fabric. There was absolutely no problem. Yeah. The problem is turning one form of presence, right, one form of ordinary normal uh, presence into uh, uh, an exclusive colonial state, right, that's the problem. Um, and so, uh, you know, the the colonization of Palestine was undertaken by uh, European Jews, mainly Zionists, right, who actually had no historical, uh, um, concrete, Uh, Tied to Palestine to the extent that many of these Zionists actually considered uh, other places to build their state in. I mean, one option was Argentina. There were uh, uh, other uh, suggestions for colonization in in Africa. The Palestine was not historically the thing that bound the Zionists, right? They settled on Palestine eventually precisely because of um, the biblical... um, Connection you know, to the land, and they thought that that would be more yeah. uh, uh, expedient uh, for uh, to encourage more colonization. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think I would say to those people that absolutely, you know, you know, p- p- people come to uh, settle in England all the time. But uh, what what they do differently, these people who come to settle in England, is that they're not trying to build a state, an exclusive state for themselves. They're not trying to. Uh, uh, Displace people who already live here, right? right? And that's that's the crucial difference. What wow. happened in Palestine is the opposite, where people who were part of the social fabric, right, uh, uh, were turned by by European Zionists, right, mm. by European Zionists, not by uh, um, like Arab or Arab Jews or, or Palestinian Jews or Yemenis, but European Jews, right. They turned uh, Palestine or uh, into Uh, 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 basically a settler-colonial state that continues to want to expand, right? A state that has not even yet uh, defined its border, a state that has no constitution, um, a state that uh, uh, wants to expand, right? Wants to take up uh, the entirety of Palestine and even uh, beyond.
1: Yeah, that's uh, very uh, well said by you. Um, Thank you for joining us um, on today's show uh Rana Baker um really enjoyed thank your call and have a um safe and lovely day peace be upon thank you.
6: you
1: thank you yeah
0: so with that the, uh, quite interesting and informative uh uh talk and dis- uh, discussion there as all well uh, with Rana Baker yeah we're going to be listening to an audio clip as well which is of uh, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya community with May Allah have mercy on him talking about the 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 role of Palestine in the conflict as well and to give us a little bit more of a context in terms of you know the people who are inheriting the land, the people who thought that they will be the ones who inherit that holy land as well yeah. just to give a little bit more of, uh, of context into that uh, why there's conflicts happening, we'll listen to this uh, this uh, this brief audio clip.
7: This was prophesied in the Holy Quran that twice will the Israelites be turned out of Palestine and twice they will recapture it. And twice will they be tried. If they conducted themselves well in the sight of Allah, then they will not be punished. But if they reverted to the old follies, then they will be punished and turned out of palestine and palestine would be inherited by godly people by the righteous people so unless this prophecy is fulfilled in both uh, uh, in both manners you know, there are two things mentioned in this prophecy. Number one, the Jews will recapture one day in the latter days. The word latter days is Wadul uh, Akhara is the word used, is, is the expression used in the Holy Quran. In the promise of the latter days, Jews will be made to return to Palestine. This is a prophecy of the Holy Quran nobody could alter it. After them, the land will be inherited by past people. So, if the Muslims of the time were already pious, why should they have come to Palestine at all? That means to say that at the time when when, uh, the Jews would recapture or re-enter Palestine, generally speaking, the Muslims would have been rejected by Allah as not pious. In the meantime, a pious community would be created from among them. And Jews will ultimately be made to desert, leave Palestine in shame and in defeat. And that land would be inherited Allah, by the God-fearing people of Allah. That is, those who do good, do good deeds and who are pious, virtuous people. So Ahmadiyyat came to prepare that group which would ultimately inherit that land. And this phenomena went parallel, side by side, for a while. At one On the one side we observe the fulfillment of the Holy Quran in the way of Jews recapturing Palestine. On the other side we see that community being prepared and being educated, which would ultimately, inshallah, enter Ba'tul Muqaddas and inherit it from Allah. So, I don't see any contradiction in these two things. If you see any contradiction after my explanation, please um, clarify your question further. The fact is, that according to the Holy Quran as well as according to the traditions of the Holy Prophet of Islam, a most unfortunate time was to come to Muslims when they were no longer to be Muslims in reality in the sense that as a whole they would be pious, God-loving, God-fearing people. They would stick to the word and spirit of the Holy Quran if that prophecy is to be fulfilled and we know it not only is it to be fulfilled it has been fulfilled then such people have no longer a right to whatever they were given by allah by way of favor and the holy quran makes a very a, a fundamental declaration in this regard it says in allah لَا يُغَيِّرُوا مَا Hatta حَتَّى Ma مَا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ Whatever Allah has given to, to some people, He does not alter that state of favors until first people themselves change themselves and no longer deserve those favors. Then Allah takes away those favors. Sometimes a people are punished at the hands of worse people and that is a phenomenon of punishment that doesn't mean that Jews are dearer to Allah it only means that the Muslims of this time are to be demonstrated by Allah that they are no longer on the right path they are no longer God fearing and righteous so Allah's wrath is showing to them and in in a manner that which is which is also so insulting to be punished by a person lower than you is a very great insult. It adds insult to injury. So, to punish, to be punished in itself is bad, but to be punished at the hands of somebody who stands lower in status and degree is a worst punishment. Like that happened in the time of Tsar. You know when the Tsar refused, now told one of his guards not to let anybody enter his palace because he was busy in some very important work son appeared and he tried to force his way to the to the palace the guard stopped him he said no it is the order of my master I'm not going to permit you to enter he started beating him and after that when he got tired he thought now he would have changed his mind he tried again to enter the palace? And he said, no. The orders still remain. I'm not going to permit you. Because he was a very strong, burly man, so this prince uh, could not enter by force. But he kept on beating him. Until Tsar heard this noise. And uh, when he came out, he knew what was happening, in fact. But he asked innocently, what was the matter? Why is he beating you? He said, look, it was, uh, um, he asked his son, why are you beating? He said, he did not permit me to enter the palace. He says, oh, that is his crime, that is his audacity. All right, but what did he say? He said, I am not permitted by my master, the king. He said, you heard this and yet you insisted? So he told the, the, the guard to take up the wick in his own hands. And start beating this prince, this, the very son of the king. He took very strong exception to this. Not to the punishment, but to the punishment at the, to the punishment at the hand of a lowly placed person. The whole incident revolves this issue, this debate. He says he is lower than I am and uh, he can't beat me. He has no right to beat me. So the king went on raising his status until he was raised to the status of a prince and then he said beat him now so in the worldly affairs we see the punishment is made more ignoble and more torturous when you are punished at the hands of a lowly person as compared to you so sometimes this is how allah's wrath comes his display appears that people who are not closer to Allah than you are are appointed to punish you for your running away from Allah and discarding his message. It has happened many time in the history of Muslims, it's no wonder. At the time when Baghdad was being attacked by the herds, by the hordes, Khawaniin hordes from um, Mongolia, the caliph of the time, sent messengers to a very holy person who was re- living a retired life and it was said that his prayers are accepted by Allah. So he sent, beseeched him, and beseeched him to pray for to Allah that uh, Allah may um, avert this calamity, which was reaching Baghdad very rapidly. So the entire night he kept on praying. As he had told the king, the messenger of the king, to come in the morning to receive the answer, when he appeared in the morning, you know what his answer was? He said, all night I have been pray, pray, praying to Allah to avert this calamity and to stop this horde of non-believers and the entire night I have been re- given this revelation, repeatedly. Ayyuhal guffar Uqtul al-fujjar. Ayyuhal-kuffar Uqtul al-fujjar. O non-believers, murder or kill the believers who are not righteous. Fujjar are those who believe in God or in his messenger, but whose deeds are ugly and bad and corrupt. So this was the revelation made to him throughout in, the, in answer to his prayer. He said, from this I understand, that they are coming by way of Allah's decree and punishment. And now you have earned Allah's play here, This pleasure, nobody can avoid this calamity. This is going to befall you. So it has happened there too. So why can't it be repeated? And if the Muslims take the lesson, if they begin to see the message, then the things will inshallah be totally transformed in their favor and against the jews if they become as is said in the holy quran allah would see to it that they inherit the land again and uh, the jews are turned out of that land
3: allah, allah. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the Internet 24 hours a day.
7: His Holiness, Holiness, Hazret
5: Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has travelled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa, discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures, with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, color or religion, he has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security.
0: Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. We're going to be moving on to our next topic, which is, as we mentioned before, about the promised reformer, the Musli ma'ud and uh, different characteristics in regards to in regards to him. Now the reason why this is so important, as mentioned before, that the Holy Prophet of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said about the you know the coming of the of the Messiah. Yeah. He said one of his characteristics will be that he will marry and he will have children. Children. Yep. Now, the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, when he, of course, when he, you know, when uh, when he was commissioned and he was telling 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 the people about Islam, about the true teachings of Islam. And he mentioned this saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that this is a prophecy, which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said. And he said this because the the when the Messiah comes, and he has he will marry and when he has children, mm-hmm. there will be a significant child who will be very similar to him mm-hmm. in in you know in in terms of attributes, in terms of goodness. And he won't be against him. And we see that the promised Messiah upon whom be peace. He was looking at the you know the, 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 the situation of the world at that time yeah. in the nineteenth century. Islam was being attacked from outward attacks and inward attacks in terms of people who were, you know, the the, the Hindus, mm-hmm. the Aryas, the 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 Sikhs, the Christians they were attacking they were attacking islam
1: and muslims were turning away from and islam. muslims
0: they, they 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 were doing their bit as well to yeah. to, to you know they they were misguided and mm. they were misguiding others yeah the majority of them and this is why the prophet Messiah upon whom he peace has so much love for islam and for the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him that he wanted to show he wanted to show a sign to the people yeah and he wanted for god almighty to manifest a particular sign yeah despite the fact that many signs have already been been sent and many signs were already were going to be manifested later on but still he wanted a very a big sign to show show the people yeah. now he secluded himself for 40 days yeah in uh, in a place called hushyarpur and where the Prophet by upon him be peace actually was he was in kadhiyan that's, mm-hmm. that's where he was born that's where he his house was yeah. To like northeastwards was uh, was Hushyarpur and he went there to a house, and he he stayed over there for forty days and in he seclusion. Fasted seclusion. Yeah, yeah. He literally fasted there, and the only thing that he did was pray to God Almighty for for a sign, oh, yeah. and then on he, the tw- he, he yeah.
1: even hardly spoke to anyone. Hardly spoke to anyone. And then he I I remember reading that he even said that you know when um, people would bring him some food, yeah yeah yeah, to yeah. not disturb him while he's praying and just to leave the food on the side and he will come and um, pick it up and eat it yeah. when, when, when it's needed. So yeah. yeah, it was complete seclusion, just praying for a sign to God Almighty for those 40 days. For those 40 days as well.
0: Yeah. Now, when, you know, when of course he was there, on the 20th of February, 1886, that is when Allah the Almighty manifested that sign. Yeah, And that sign was of the promised reformer who would be the promised son and he would be the promised reformer and he will actually come with 52 different characteristics not just yeah. one or two or five yeah. or ten 52, 52 different characteristics that he will contain and that is when the promised Messiah upon whom he upon whom we peace on the 20th of February 1886 that's when he published that you know this is this is a sign God Almighty has listened to my to my prayers mm-hmm. and this is the sign which will be manifested in the coming years mm-hmm. and we'll talk a little bit more about how that happened, what was uh, what was actually said in that? Um, but let's speak to let's speak to our our guest, who's on the line with us, Madiha Mubarak-Jima, who is currently studying GDL at the University of Law, after completing a degree in theology and also history. She's also a Quranic commentary teacher at the Aisha Academy here in the UK as well. Salaam alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the show. Ilekslam, peace be upon you too. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Just to begin with, what are some of the so, some examples of the promise reformers sort of sort of uh characteristics?
8: Um, so actually we have a <clears throat> Muslim old day at Aisha Academy yesterday as well, and this was discussed. Um, essentially, um from a young age as a Muslim old, uh let be pleased with him, said his dedication to Namaz, prayer, um and the mission that was entrusted to his father, husband, Messiah, on whom be peace. And um, even though he faced so much tough health issues, he never backed down from his commitment to that worship and to learn more about his faith. And we see in the memoirs that you can tell that from when he was just a child, you could, you could tell that he had a deep connection with spirituality because you'd spend hours praying and reflecting on life. And, You'd see him join his father, his promised to islam in offering prayers at the mosque. Then, of course, he was good and kind. Wherever he went, whether it was interacting with his families, colleagues, or even strangers, he radiated goodness, of course. Um, there's so many stories of him assisting people who were facing difficulties, where he'd offer them support and guidance without expecting anything in return. Um, for example, I think, I believe it was a young boy who approached Muslim al Let I'd pleased with him, with a question about honesty, and instead of giving a simple answer, he sat down with the boy and shared his story from Islamic history about the importance of truthfulness. So, I think that just goes to show that he doesn't just preach kindness and honesty, he embodies it in his actions. Um, and of course, there's the characteristic of a visionary leader, um, he was only 25 years old, of course, when he stepped into the role of a Khalifa, as we all know. Um, and with that, obviously, you face so much immense responsibility of leading the Jamaat. Um, you know, and with that, I think he showed a lot of determination because I think one big place that we see this is when the Jamaat was facing one of its darkest moments during the mm. partition. Mm. You know, there was a threat of persecution which was looming really, really. Like, high, Um so many people were uncertain about the future, not just envy, but all people. Um, and in that turmoil, Hadid Muslim, or may Allah be pleased with him, was an exemplary. Um, he was, he had strength and guidance for his followers always, because his vision extended beyond this hardship. He knew that Islam Ahmabiya, would flourish, not just in India, but across the globe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned so many different uh, characteristics of the of the promise promise reformer May Allah be pleased with him as well. Can you just I mean mean, you've spoken about different characteristics different attributes and These different things are these these aspects of his life are something things that we can emulate as well in our in our day-to-day lives as well Um, when it comes to when it comes to the the promised reformer which is the second caliph of the community may allah be pleased with him specifically how important is he is he to Ahmadi muslims
8: All right uh, yeah so like you've just said um husband muslim or may allah be a pleased with him holds a very special place in our hearts um obviously firstly he was the son of Hazat from Sasha and Islam Islam on whom he pleased and his birth was foretold in that prophecy. And um, this alone is significant because he is from sun and he's fulfilled the divine prophecy. And actually it's, it's you know, in our uh, Muslim or day we we start our, our our day with the verse which is often in relation to the Muslim world prophecy, which is in Surah Jumma, um, and that is of course Hazrat advent, which continued with the Khalifas. Um, I think also his scholarly like um, contributions helps us in understanding Islam, not just in Amadis but non-Amadis as well. So extensive writing speeches, and commentaries. He didn't just love the Qur'an, he practically devoted his life to understanding it better. And I think his most monumental work is, has got to be Tasir uh, al-Kabir, which is that 10-volume commentary on the Qur'an. That definitely stands as a testament to his deep insights and devotions into seeing the Qur'an. Absolutely. So through that we these um, have a comprehensive understanding of these verses as well. and it allows us to have a deeper connection with Holy Scripture. And also, he introduced schemes like Dari and and um, which, you which know, shows so much dedication to the community. Um, they weren't temporary endeavors, but they became now, as we see, really integral parts of the Jama'at's activities. Um, and through Dari Gajadeed, mobilized resources for the spread of Islam, Um, Through missionary efforts and then obviously, which has also been mentioned because promoting missionary and reforms um, in every part of India and Pakistan. So, it's important for us really to keep going with that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, And what would you say, how do Ahmadis celebrate the fulfilling of this prophecy?
8: Um, Yeah, so we celebrate the prophecy of Hazard Muslimah, may Allah be pleased with him, his fulfilment with very deep gratitude. And it's a momentous occasion that signifies the divine fulfilment of a promise made by Allah. Um, and it's important to note that we are not celebrating a birthday, but the prophecy being fulfilled is that, you know, in Hazard Mirza al Mahmud Ahmad's person, may Allah be pleased with him, And what we do is we have various activities. We come together in mosques or community centres and hold special gatherings, read the Holy Quran, Nazims, which are just hymns, speeches, Hmm. sermons, all sorts of things to reflect on the significance of the prophecy's fulfilment and the impact on the Jama'at. And then during these gatherings, we also pray for blessings and guidance for the entire Jama'at. But yeah, it it serves as an opportunity for us um, to deepen our understanding as well. It's educational for us, and it's it's kind of good revision. The more we attend these um, events,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Madhia Umbaragachima, thank you so much for joining us this this morning, telling us a little bit more about uh, the the the, the promised reformer. May may God be pleased with him, and different aspects in regards to in regards to his life and character as well. Thank you so much for I think it's uh, very uh, significant as well, isn't it? Yeah. And it's very—he was a very prominent figure yeah, yeah, in the definitely. Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and I wish we had a little <coughs> bit more time to speak about that. As well. I mean, she mentioned Madiha mentioned that <coughs> that the 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 great tafsir yeah, tafsir al-kabir yeah. was one of the one of the masterpieces yeah. of uh, of of the second caliph. Second caliph. And right. uh, it's, it's 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 quite interesting as well because when when he was quite young yeah and he was and he started his um started his magazine which was called tashizul azhan yeah right and that was he was only 17 at yeah. that time and that was um imagine a 17 year old boy exactly you're not even i mean you're just going through yeah, exactly. maturity. if it,
1: any of our listeners or we look back at ourselves yeah, when we were 17. 17.
0: and the things that he was saying the th- you know the the masterpieces that he was yeah. writing in that in that magazine exactly. he, is absolutely amazing and the, and he recalls that during that time, because that was the time of the promised upon him be peace as well, because he passed away yeah. in the nineteen uh, in nineteen oh eight. The Shizuzan started in nineteen oh six as well, so the last two years. Yeah. But he recalls that he he was he saw in a vision or he saw in a dream that an angel came to 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 him and he said the angel said to him that should I teach you the Holy Quran? Should yeah. I teach you the commentary of the Holy yeah. Quran? And he said yes of course mm. teach me <laughs> and then he, he began to teach him Surah al-fatiha so yeah. that's the that's the first surah the first chapter of the holy quran and it has seven verses mm. so when the angel reached to the to the verse mm. wa mm. saying that Thee alone do we worship and Thee alone do we implore for help he's the angel said that all the previous mufassireen all the previous scholars yeah. or the commentators of the holy quran they were able to do tafsir or commentary yeah. of of this but after this no one has been able to able do to. a, a tafsir a commentary of this but he he taught him as in he asked him, sh- he asked you, him sh- sh- should we teach you we teach after you? this point? and he's, I said of course and, of course, yeah. and we can see
1: uh, you know the the
0: tafsir the, the commentary yeah. that he think, that he, that he penned anyone, down i think anyone
1: any any of our listeners can pick up the tafsir of kabir and read it for themselves and they will come across such points that will just which uh, have not been mentioned yeah, will, before uh, will shock your mind, yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, I mean, uh, of course, for those, for those, for for the, for those listeners who are Urdu yeah, reading, speakers, so yeah. Urdu speaking, they can yeah. read Urdu. They can obviously do uh, take advantage yeah. of that as well. But it, it is being translated, translated into into English. into English by the Review of Religions as also. Well, hopefully, that comes about yeah. very soon. Let's speak to our next guest, who's on the line with us, Farhad Ahmed, who's a missionary. Of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much uh, for for joining us. Talking about Mustafa, the 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 promised reformer, may may Allah be pleased with him. How can events like uh, you know that commemorate this day help Ahmadi Muslims and uh, you know assist us or make our faith even stronger?
9: Um, thank you for that. Um, I think it's, it's extremely important that we, you know, like this prophecy of Muslim um, or the promised reformer. It wasn't just anything ordinary. But we have in the Holy Quran we mentioned, and it's very golden principle of Islam that you should try and mention the different bounties of God Almighty regularly, hmm. so that's and. The ministry of God, oh my God, yes, sir. He said that he knew that the one problem from had peaceful function. During his time, he mentioned he Jesus, Jesus, the second problem of Jesus' peaceful function, which he, of course, was the best problem <laughs> by Jesus it. and it was to reform the teacher
0: from the. Sorry, um... Or uh, for uh we can't really hear you that uh, that clearly as all. Let's let's try to maybe reconnect, and if we can get a better line, yeah. then we'll then we'll come back. Then we'll come back to him as all. Well. Hopefully, God willing. Um, just to just to continue what you know what we were saying as all well, uh, discussing ho- yeah. discussing, and hopefully we can get him back on the line with us. But. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's such a grand prophecy yeah. of, uh, of of uh, of the of the Muslim or the, the promised reformer, fifty two different characteristics. Now, w- one of the things which is uh, you know quite uh, quite significant is that when when the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, when he actually went out there, and he said on the 20, when he when he, when he sort of gave this announcement, when he published this announcement of the Muslim mode, that he will have a son. And he would be blessed with these fifty-two different characteristics. The the opponents of the Promised Messiah upon whom be peace and of course the Ahmadi Muslims, they were very they were very much aware about this. And they wanted to to find any sort of loophole, they wanted to find any sort of little gap hmm. that they can raise any sort of allegation yeah. against the against the community. And of course to the promised Messiah upon whom be peace as well. So what happened was was that after he published this announcement in 1886 uh he you know he was he he actually had a a a daughter which was called Ismat yeah. but she died after a few a few months as well yeah. and the, the you know the the opponents they raised the allegations and all of this as well and then after he had another son which was called Bashir the Bashir the first yeah and he also died after a few months as well. Yeah. So the p- opponents they raised the allegations. Say, oh look, Maybe look more, at your prophecy. Yeah. What's happened to that? But then he said that you know the God Almighty g- gave me this prophecy. But he didn't say that the very next child would, would be, be would be this would be the promise reformer, the yeah. promised reformer. And the 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 limit was nine years, mm. and within those nine years, so in eighteen eighty nine, mm. that is when he was born. Um, you know, has a Din Ahmad as well. So that fulfilled that prophecy. So let's try again. With uh, with Imam Farhad Ahmed as-salamu peace be upon you. Can, you. can you is your line better now? Can we hear you? Yeah, wa salam oh, Is yeah.
9: this any Yeah, no? that's
0: much better. That's much better. Um, just just uh, continuing on a little bit as well. What attributes then of the of the promised reformer uh, may Allah be pleased with him are are sort of important for us to emulate in this day and age, especially.
9: I think anyone who reads the life of the promised reformer and then looks at the prophecy that was made by the promised Messiah, uh, that was given to the promised Messiah, there's something quite remarkable that stands out. One is, in the prophecy, it mentioned that there will be 52 different qualities that he will have. And it lists, you know, different qualities that he'll have. He'll be extremely knowledgeable. He'll be... um, you know, he, uh, he will have a lot, a lot, of might. He will come with God's might, um, and and so on, so on, and so forth. And when you look at the life of the promised reformer, Hazrat Muslim old, he, <clears throat> you can tell clearly that he fulfilled every single one of those fifty-two qualities. He achieved so much in his life. One particular one, for instance, was that he'll be of extreme resolve. He'll he'll be very. A, a person with a lot of resolve hmm. and we see during his whole life that this was so manifestly fulfilled For instance, even when he was very very young, you know, there's a famous incident about him That he was looking at the stars with the with his father the promised Messiah peace be upon him And he said turn around to his father and said that, you know, he was very he, uh, You know, he had just uh, Learned to talk and he said a jana which in Urdu means Father, I want to go and reach the stars." Hmm. And we see that throughout his whole life, he literally did reach the stars, in terms of spiritual progress, in terms of knowledge. When the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, passed away, he was only 18, and he stood at his bedside when he passed away. And he, again, made a very, a statement of much resolve, where he said that, if the whole world turns away from you now, you know, at that time, There was a lot of following that the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, was granted by God Almighty. But he said that even if every single person turns away from you, I will not turn away and I will carry on your mission. And that's exactly what he did during his own lifetime. A lot of people turned away from the community established by the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Hmm. But he single-handedly stayed firm and uh, resolved. And as the second Khalifa at that time, even though it was a small community that stuck by him, Eventually, they became dominant and they became the community and and God Almighty showed that this is the true community of the promised Messiah peace be upon him through that small group of people then eventually became much bigger and you know, it was through him that various missions across the world were established to showcase and prove the truthful teachings of Islam and Medea For instance even here in the UK where we're living the first mosque that was established was established in in London the first mosque of London was established by the by the uh, Promised Reformer Hazrat Muslim where he sent uh, a missionary and he established the mosque here in, under direct guidance of Hazrat Muslim Similarly, in America, uh, the first community of Muslims was established in America by the missionary sent by Hazrat Muslim and and so on and so forth. He, he wrote so 100 more than 130 books were penned by him. Several lectures. I mean, one of the most famous work is the tafsir al-Kabir, which is a commentary of the Holy Quran and that was a you know it's such a remarkable piece of work that even till today people turn towards it and find no likeness of it Hmm. so in many ways you know the different characteristics mentioned in the prophecy or in every single way were fulfilled within this one person the more you look into it the more you study his life the more you realize how grand the prophecy was in relation to this one person
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, well, well said, Imam Sahib. Um, and a, a, bit, a bit of a personal question, um, how did the teachings of the Promised Reformer influence you in your everyday life as, a, as an Imam, as a missionary?
9: I think again, as you look at his life, you find so many beautiful examples. Um, particularly, you know, he was very unwell during his lifetime. You know, his eyesight wasn't great. Often, um, you know, his health would be extremely weak. But during all of those trials and tribulations, mm. you know, there, there came a time when he was attacked as yeah. well. And uh, he was extremely hurt on his uh, on his neck. Mm. Somebody stabbed him on his neck. Mm. Despite all of these difficulties he had, despite all of the challenges he faced in terms of his health, mm. it never let him get, let anything get in the way of his service for Islam and the mm. and for Showcasing the truthful teachings of Islam and guiding people towards Islam mm. in every single way he, he manifestly you know regardless of his own health he he established ways not just you know ways of himself promoting and pe- writing the people uh, inviting people to the peaceful message of islam mm-hmm. but established a very very um, like an amazing system where whereby he arranged all of the community within different groups so that the most can be Gained from people and people's skills, mm-hmm. and I think that was quite amazing. That despite all of the challenges, he managed to he managed to do that. For instance, you know he he arranged an uh, auxiliary he arranged several auxiliary organizations: one um, youth organization which is for boys, one youth one uh, organization for uh, young girls, one organization for women, and one organization for men aged forty plus. Mm-hmm. And all of these organizations then are now we're seeing how fruitful it is, whereby they're all working and serving towards the same purpose in a in a very, very coherent way, but also in a in a in a way that carries on that resolve which mm-hmm. Hazrat muslim zilano had himself. So I think just overcoming those challenges, but really, I mean, you look at any aspect of his life and you know all of these um, um the promised Messiah peace upon him the various khulafa the caliphs of the promised messiah peace be upon him they were very very holy and spiritual people if you look at their lives you can tell that they reflect the teachings of the holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him they reflect that beautiful character of the holy prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about whom it was said that he'll be the role model he is the role model and we see how looking at their lives Mm. you know we can get a small glimpse into the life of the holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him absolutely
0: absolutely very very well said there and uh, 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 yeah, I mean, I think all uh, the things that you said, we can apply that to to our lives as well. Imam yeah. Farhad Ahmed, the missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. Thank you so much for shedding some more light in uh, in regards to this topic as well, giving us some more detail and uh, better information for for our listeners all. well. and uh, peace be upon you. So that was uh, Imam Farhad yeah. Ahmed, and you know, the very much uh, you know shed some light on that as well, as well as our previous guest, also who both of them spoke quite eloquently in regards to this, and you know, like they said that the more you look into it, yeah, the more you see how grand this prophecy, prophecy is, yeah, actually was it was it's not a small thing, it's not a small thing, and and uh, how it became fulfilled word exactly. to word, word to word, yeah, and it is is such a such an amazing. Uh, character the second caliph was Hazim Millar Mahmoud Ahmad Azor and his caliphate was the longest caliphate that we've exactly. seen uh, so far as well. mm-hmm. 52 years 51 hour, 52 you, years a half 52 years of his, of his if caliphate if you just
1: imagine yourself around 25 years of age exactly <coughs> exactly and to be a leader of the worldwide community yeah it's the burden the pressure the that burden, you must the have pressure, yeah. at that age and to be able to bear it at that age yeah. it's something that only God can help you. Only with. God can help you with as well. And it exactly. just shows that God was with him from
0: Throughout. every step right, Day, day one, one. since day one. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Even before, even he, before. before he was born as well. Yeah. Um, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Let's uh, let's listen to a a brief audio clip, which will give us a little bit more of a flavour of uh, of Muslim Day or the the promised reformer,
10: as well. He was the promised reformer whose advent was prophesied by the Holy Prophet Muhammad and the promised Messiah on whom be peace and who became the second Khalifa at the young age of 25 and nourished the community to its maturity for more than 50 years with his spiritual guidance, prayers, tears, toil and blood. His life fulfilled every aspect of the Grand Prophecy of the Promised Messiah set out in an announcement in 1886. Under divine guidance, he fortified the foundations of the community laid down by the Promised Messiah on whom be peace and expanded the structure of the movement by initiating various schemes, organizations and programs. In order to stimulate the moral and spiritual qualities of the community, and carry its message far and wide, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih II established the Tahriq al-Jadeed scheme in 1934. Everything in the movement was charged with new life and new spirit under the impact of this scheme. The most striking activity of this scheme was the network of foreign missions that progressively spread into many countries. And due to the blessings of this scheme, there are now flourishing branches of the movement in more than 200 countries. Hazrat Musleh was an instrument of establishing the superiority and status of the Word of God, the Holy Qur'an, in all corners of the world. During his adolescence, an angel taught him the commentary of Surah Al-Fatiha, the opening chapter of the Holy Qur'an, and in this manner he was gifted with a deep spiritual knowledge and understanding of the commentary of the Holy Qur'an by Allah the Exalted. His conversation, speeches, and all his writings were a commentary of the Holy Qur'an. Perhaps his greatest work is Tafsir-e-Kabir, his wondrous 10,000-page commentary of the Holy Qur'an. Any individual who has read a part of it with concentration cannot but acknowledge that if there was a holy person in the world, who had only published part of such a commentary of the Holy Qur'an, it would have been sufficient for him to be acknowledged as a holy person from among the holiest persons in the world.
0: That was just a, a little bit of a flavour of uh, the, the Muslim or, they, or uh, the, the, the actual Muslim or the promised reformer, the son of the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace as well. The second Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be pleased with him. We see that his after his uh, after his long caliphate, the the third caliph, also the the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, they they were his sons. Yeah. Hazimizat Nasir Ahmad being, may Allah, be, may Allah have uh, have mercy on him, being the third caliph. Hazimizat Tahir Ahmad, may Allah have mercy on him as well, being the fourth caliph. And right now we are under the fifth caliphate of uh, of of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Hazimizat Masoor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. And continue to, to 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 assist and and uh, and help him as well. And this is uh, just a little bit, like I mentioned, this is just a tip of the uh, tip of the iceberg, just a little bit of a just a little bit of a flavor. Yeah, I, I uh, of think this everyone
1: well. everyone needs to study and look exactly. n- deeply into his life to realize how marvelous and remarkable person he actually was. Absolutely, absolutely. With
0: that, we must conclude the show as well. The the news is
1: looming. Today's
0: show was produced and the researchers are Maida Mubashira, Hanan Ashraf, Maliha Kamar, Noura as well. Hania Yaqub was the producer also. Thank you to all the guests who took time out and spoke to us today. It's been an absolute, uh, it's, it's, been an, it's been a wonderful show, a jam-packed show as well. Yeah. Always a pleasure to present with uh, yourself. And yeah. thank you to the technical department. Until next time, as alaikum